Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. This, this morning's Esther uh, conversation, uh, I just want to talk about Gents Camp. Now, some of you might know I'm really passionate about Gents Camp. Um, Gents is um, an acronym for Gent, uh, grades 8, 9, 10, um, and 7. So they kind of got it backwards, but um, it's basically young guys, and uh, it's, it's all about investing in uh, the next generation. So we basically take a whole heap of guys away, and, we, and a heap of us from this church have been to multiple Gents Camps throughout the last few years, but they're really something special about them. The one we're doing this coming Christmas, uh, sorry, January 5th to 9th, is actually a camp for dads and their boys. And uh, we really want to champion this relationship and take time out of our year and just say we want to invest in that relationship. There's a lot of dads who, who are so caught up, who are so busy, they miss that time with their boys. And so it's really dear to my heart, something I'm really passionate about, seeing guys being championed in their faith and ladies championed in their faith and, and, and to, to go on into the good, what God has got planned for them. So if you are interested, um, come and hit me up afterwards for details, but it's a great camp. And I love your prayers too, as we have a, a bunch of dads um, who are reconnecting with their boys and bringing Jesus into that space. And so it's a beautiful camp. Anyway, I'll stop prattling, but I'm excited by it. Awesome. I'm easily excited. Maybe too much so. But today we are talking Esther, uh, when God seems absent. And uh, Esther, I hope you're enjoying Esther. It's a, it's a big book. Well, it's not big long, but there's a lot in it. And uh, we're going to tackle Esther chapter 3 today. And uh, it's a if you, if you have have a chance, I encourage you to read the whole book in entirety because it's uh, very hard to take a look at a little snapshot, but when you look at the whole book as a whole, it's, um, we can see God uh, through the pages. So if you've got your Bibles you want to turn, we're going to jump straight in, Esther chapter 3, uh, verse 1. And um, this is, the context of this is uh, Queen Esther has just been informed about an assassin attempt on the king of Persia, uh, Xerxes, and that got foiled, and uh, Mordecai, um, he, he should have got the fame for it, but he didn't. So that's kind of the context and background to this. All right, so you with me? Let's go. Like, after these events, King Xerxes honoured Haman, son of Hamadatha, that'll go, that'll do, uh, the Agagites, elevating him and giving him a seat of honour higher than all of the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honour to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honour. Verse 3, Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or, or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. 
So context, kingdom of Xerxes was Persia, modern-day Iran, but it stretched right across the Mediterranean, encompassed basically the known world at that time. It was the largest empire by far. And uh, this guy Haman, is, he's the prime minister of the capital, which is in Susa, in Iran, modern-day Iran. And uh, he's, he comes across as a bit of an egotistical maniac. Um, his option, his solution is genocide. So not a good, not a good option. And uh, we see that in through the pages of history uh, where that, that has become an option that people have considered. And it's horrific in its entirety. Uh, but there's, there's a point I want to make here is that Haman represents evil in our world. There will, always, there will always be evil in the world until Jesus comes back and his kingdom is established in its final form. But the evil is a reality in our life. And so I don't want to spend today talking about evil. We, we see evil. We know uh, that evil deeds happen in our world. But I want to, what I want to look at is Mordecai. See, Mordecai, is, he, he, he responds to this person in a particular way, and I think we can le- learn a lot and glean a lot from how Mordecai engages with evil. And uh, so in, a, in a very real sense, there's a storm that is started by Mordecai. And I'm not blaming Mordecai, but I kind of am, because um, it, it sort of started from him. See, see we, we often think that Mordecai can be just, just a hero, he's fighting evil, but it's not as simple as that. And as we dig into the scripture, we start to realize that things are never as simple as they appear on the outward. But as we dig into it, we see that, that he had a real problem with Haman. Mordecai was a Jewish guy um, who was sitting at the, at the gates. He had a problem with Haman. Uh, See, at the time, the Persian Empire was actually encouraging the Jews to go back to Israel, to go back to Jerusalem. The the Persian Empire actually paid uh, King Cyrus and Xerxes, we can read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah, were paying for the reconstruction of the temple and the walls in Jerusalem. So the Jews were encouraged to go back. The Persians, the Persian Empire, were actually cult heroes for the Jews. They were, they were famed because they had conquered the Babylonians who had put them into exile. The Babylonians had put them into exile and the Persians had set them free. And so they were seen as, they, were, they, they loved these guys. They were, they were great. They actually paid and sponsored their return. It's an amazing thing. And, and Haman, part of that administration, he represented that authority. And, but he had a real problem with him. The king, we, we, the other reason I believe that uh, Mordecai's intention wasn't uh, necessarily black and white, but he had an agenda and he really disliked the person, Haman, what, and what he stood for, was that the king at the gate, would have come in and out all the time. And we, we read this in verse 3. It says, the, Then the royal officials at the gate asked Mordecai, why, why, why are you struggling with Haman so much? Why aren't you bowing, submitting to Haman? So Mordecai has got a problem. The royal officials have noticed this problem that he's got with Haman, but not with the king. The king would have come in and out regularly. So it's not about sort of bowing, submitting necessarily to um, the, the empire or the, or the rule of uh, the Persian empire. And I think that's important. And you're like, Sam, why? That's just semantics. No, it's not. It's important because understanding why and how we can glean from from Mordecai, how we respond to authority figures, how we respond to people we don't necessarily like. 
There's an ancient conflict that existed. And as we start to understand who Haman is, it starts to make a little bit more sense. So Haman was an Agagite. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for explaining, Sam. No worries. Um, an Agagite, okay, is another word for an Amalekite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. That's good. Um, Amalekites. Now, Amalekites, if, if you are a Bible buff and know, and know um, names really well, the Amalekites were uh, in constant conflict with Israel throughout the time, uh, for, throughout most of Israel's life, really. And we, the famous battles of the Amalekites, we know uh, when Moses was leading Israel out of Egypt. He was leading Israel out of Egypt, and the first people to attack him after they crossed the Red Sea and, and uh, were settling into the new land were the Amalekites. They came and raided them. They came and attacked them while they were vulnerable. The Amalekites were the ones that uh, Moses was holding his, his staff up, and when he had his staff up, the, the Israelites were winning, but when he got tired and the staff dropped, the Amalekites started to win. So these are an enemy of Israel. And so, and so Haman represents everything that Mordecai hates. And so he's really struggling with this, this person. And he's, he's got this, this bitter conflict, this ancient conflict that's there. And so this, uh, this raises a really important question. How do we respond to authority when we don't like authority? Or when we don't agree with authority? It's, a, it's not an easy, it's not a black and white answer. And so it would pay, pay us, it'd be worth our while to ask and explore how we engage in this space because I don't know if you guys love your prime minister or you love your premier or you love your state government or you love your police that pull you over and give you tickets. I don't know if you love that, but sometimes we struggle with the authorities that we're engaging with that are over us. How do we respond? So it's easy to obey and submit and honour our leaders that we love. It's easy to you know, submit to Paul because I love Paul. Some brandy points here. Thanks, Paul. Um, but it's, it's, it's a reality. As if you have under someone that you struggled with, maybe it's your boss, it's a really, really hard place. There's this road called Link Road, and it's my bugbear. I hate this road, and hate's a strong word, so I'll use it again. I hate this road. Um, it's, it's, it's in Victoria Point, and there's two roads. They're both 60Ks. You can go 60Ks on both of them, but there's a link between that's 50. And the, and the little policemen sit there with their little guns, and they just love me. They see me coming, and it's like it's my frustrating road. So maybe there's a few of you here that have uh, suffered uh, Link Road um, syndrome, but it's, it's, it's a problem because I struggle to submit to the authority and rule of the law because I disagree. It shouldn't be 50 Ks. It should be 60. Like clearly, you know, it's a, it's a main power there. Anyway, I won't, before I get into that, um, it, the point is, is that when we disagree with authority, we struggle to submit to it. When we disagree with, with the way things are. And so what does God ask us to do? What is he challenging us to? How do we engage do we simply roll over and submit to everything that's over us? There's a tension. If you were living in North Korea, you'd probably be asking a different question, how you engage with authority. It's not a black and white, so we need some clarity, particularly because our world is becoming less Christian. In our Western culture, we're losing that Judeo-Christian values and principles in our culture very, very quickly. And so we're going to be forced to wrestle with this space more and more how we engage with authority. When authority becomes increasingly more and more hostile to the truth and purposes and will of God. 
We need to have an understanding of how we are to engage. And I think this, this chapter is beautiful because it raises some beautiful questions. But we, let's, let's dig into the, to the Word because um, it's not always clear what we are to do. And I want to make that, the statement very, very clear as I possibly can. We, we don't always know from reading the Bible what to do in every situation. But we know in the pages of Scripture the attitudes to take into every situation. So we don't know what to do, but we know the attitudes we need to have in every situation. And so we're going to explore uh, two that I think are really important in this. <clears throat> all right, here we go. First one is honoring authority. Um, we are all under authority, um, and that's important for us to understand. No one's outside of authority. Everyone submits to someone somewhere. <clears throat> okay, first one is Micah 6, 8. Love this verse. And what does the Lord require? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Walking with humility is the key, is one of the key ingredients to how God is wanting us to operate and submit to authority in our lives, to walk in humility. The other one is honoring each other. Romans 12 verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. Another translation is prefer. So prefer one another. It's respect and humility together. So even if you disagree with the authority in your life, even if you disagree with your boss, with your teacher, your lecturer, the people in your life that are, have, have positions over you, even if you don't agree, the attitudes God wants us to take in is respect and humility. It's a cornerstone of how we engage. <clears throat> Romans 13 um, verse 1, Paul points us uh, in a very... He, he, this is awesome, I'm just going to read it. Um, it said, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Get this. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those, and those who do not do so will bring judgment on themselves. This is why you pay taxes. Amen? Oh, yeah, that was, that was yeah, less than convincing. For the authorities are God's servant who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay those taxes. Ugh. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. These are the principles and attitudes you are to take throughout your life to honor and respect the authorities. So in a, in a kind of weird way, um, your boss has almost been ordained over you in a position of authority. God has allowed that to happen. And, and so, okay, so we take this position of respect and honor and submission into our workplace, into our school, into our uni. And, and so that's an attitude we have. But I want to make this clear. Honoring God's reign is done by honoring our authorities. Part of how we honor God is in honoring the people and the systems that he's allowed to establish. It's almost like our default. You know, your default position on something is respect, honor, and submission. And, that, and that's a struggle. That's a hard thing. Sometimes, I'm a, sometimes I want to fight. You know, I'm just like, get a bee in my bonnet. I'm like, nah, I'm fighting. But God is wanting us, our default position, to be submission, respect, and honor. 
And that's a hard one for us to follow because often we want to we want to fight the system. We want to fight for for God's truth. And, and these are these are important things. And I'm going to unpack how we do that in a sec. So hold that little thought before you throw it at me um, in the back of your minds. So in a, in a very real way. You know, we are to obey our parents. Maybe I should get the kids back in so I can just <laughs> go through this again with them. Um, it's important that we honour and obey our parents. It's a, in Ephesians, Paul talks and tells us that it's the first, the first um, command that has a promise, that it may go well with you in the land that you are living. It's, 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 it's for your good. So it's a good thing to honour and submit it's a good thing. It's not like you're becoming a servant and a slave. That's kind of, we misconstrue that idea so quickly. But submission is submitting first to God. And part of submitting to God is to submitting to the authorities that he is allowed and established to, to happen. Does that make sense? Yes. Awesome. So um, I struggle with this. And it, so um, the one I come to mind the most is um, substitute teachers. Because when a substitute teacher comes into your classroom at school, you don't, like, they don't know you. There's no accountability. You can do what you want. You know, the authority isn't there. And so the challenge for me in that time, if, if, if I was to preach this message back to little Sam, um, little, I'm already little, but littler, um, would be, Sam, you need to submit to your substitute teacher because I want you to submit to me. I want you to live your life for and honour God by honouring the people in your life. And uh, Paul goes on and he says, I want you to submit one to another, that we submit to each other, that we are to honour one another and be respectful to each other, not because they deserve it, but because God is calling us to be his people that are known by their integrity of honouring people. See, integrity is, is basically doing um, the right thing even when no one is watching. Doing the right thing when no one's watching. And so this becomes a, a life theme for God's people. And it's a challenge. What are your attitudes when you can't get caught? What are your attitudes? If, and, and like, this isn't, sorry for using so many car analogies. It's just, I'm on a theme here. Um, but driving through traffic lights, uh, so uh, road um, roadworks. You know how they've got that slow down? Now, I struggle. If there's no police car there, there's a whole lot less incentive to... They're more a suggestion. These signs are like, hey, that's a great suggestion to slow down. But if there's a police car with the lights and the guy's probably asleep there in the car anyway. But um, if, if there's a police there, I'm like, oh, you know, hey, I'm going to take this seriously. There's authority there. But what we're saying is this attitude that we need to take is an attitude of, uh, I'm going to submit to the authorities because I'm submitting to God. I'm honouring God first and foremost by my actions. I'm going to love God, not because I don't get caught, but I'm going to honour and submit to authority. And this is a hard one for me. I really struggle with this because I, don't, I want to fight the system. I want to, I want to wrestle that place. But we, when we honour our authorities, we are actually honouring God. And it's a struggle to submit to authorities. But the biggest struggle is often we struggle to submit to the people around us because we're actually struggling to submit to God. 
And that often that's the first thing we're struggling with. We're struggling to, to actually have Jesus as our Lord and King. Because when, when He is our Lord and King, it becomes easier to us to obey and submit to what He has in our lives and the people that He has placed in our lives. But sometimes we just we want to be King, King Jesus. We want to be King of our life, and we often don't submit to Jesus as our Lord and King. See, God's people ought to be known for their integrity. It's a default position. So when we honour and submit to our boss, to our teachers and to our leaders, we're actually honouring God's reign. We're bringing God glory when we honour the people around us, even if we disagree with them, particularly because we disagree with them. But we're not just rolling over and playing dead and just submitting to everything they say, but we're actually honouring God. So I'm like, that sounds a little bit vague and muddy, but it is. But it's the attitudes we need to take into that so when we honour, we submit to our bosses, our teachers, we honour God. So King David, like David before, he, he was anointed king. And uh, Saul, his boss slash father-in-law, uh, was chasing him, trying to kill him. Not a, not a particularly good relationship. There's probably some, some relational counselling needed in that space. But Saul was trying to kill David. David ran into a cave. Saul followed him in and um, fell asleep, and David crept out and was like, uh, here's my chance, but didn't. He cut a little corner of his robe off, and uh, then Saul left, and David was so convicted by cutting the corner of his robe off that he came out and apologized to Saul. Like, this is crazy. This is, and, he, and he said, you know, I, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I, and, and he rebuked his own men who were like, here's your chance to, to get rid of to." He's like he understood authority and he submitted to it and he respected it, even when he disagreed, even when the authorities were persecuting him. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. Even when the authorities persecuted David, he still honoured them and respected them. These are the attitudes he took into it. But he didn't let Saul kill him. I want to make that clear. He didn't just roll over and say, all right, Go for it. See, there's a distinction between worship and respect and submission. King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to contrast two kingdoms here, Persia, Persian Empire and the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians kicked out Israel out of of Jerusalem and um, sent them into Babylon. Persian Empire came across and conquered the Babylonians. Uh, But the Babylonians were all about, they wanted the people to worship them. The Persian Empire wanted them to respect them. Two different kingdoms operating differently. The Babylonians, uh, we we read about this, uh, the Babylonians built a massive golden statue. King Nebuchadnezzar, you might these Bible stories might be coming back in your head. King Nebuchadnezzar built this massive golden statue and he said, I want everyone to bow down and worship this statue. When the music plays, I want you to bow down and worship. And uh, King uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, he, he had this confrontation with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace and, uh, and they basically said, um, even if you kill us, we will not bow and worship you. And so I want to make that very, very, very clear that we are not to worship or bow down to anyone other than God. That our worship, our place of worship is for Jesus and Jesus alone. The worship, we're going to rephrase worship as what is the highest authority in your life? And we need to make sure that we're living with Jesus as the highest authority in our life. But there is a distinction between worship and submission. 
And sometimes we can, sub- we can submit to our bosses even when we disagree with them, when we're actually submitting to Jesus in the process, that Jesus has asked us to have that attitude. Clear as mud? Yes, good. All right, there's a clear distinction. So if, if you're living in, in North Korea and you're li- li- living in a persecuted place, this is a really, really hard tension because I think we just really need to wrestle and have that question, what does it look like to submit? Are we called to blind submission? Well, no, but our default position, our default attitude is an attitude of submission unless it conflicts the values and truth of God's reign in your life. Yes, great. So understanding that God's kingdom is not at war against our physical kingdoms, but it's a spiritual kingdom. Kingdom understanding is so crucial as we navigate this space. And next year, I'm really excited. Next year, we're going to be talking a lot more about the kingdom of God because as we start to unpack that, a lot of how we engage with our authorities and people in our lives starts to become abundantly clear. It's, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And sometimes we get so fixated and we, 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 we struggle to submit but we, we need to be reminded that Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom that's not of a physical nature. We honor and obey our physical kingdom rule as long as it fits into God's reign in our lives. And there might be times to stand against authority, against injustice, but to do this with an attitude of humility and respect by being, clean, being clearly led by God and not by our own hurt pride. Acts 4, verse 18 to 19, we're going to read, um, Then they, so this is the authorities, called them in, that's the disciples, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. The highest authority is Jesus. Peter and James told them to stick it. They're like, no, we're not listening to you. We're not respecting you in this place. Um, We're not going to obey you, sorry, in this place because this contradicts what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to be a light in a dark place, to be truth, to speak, to proclaim the goodness of God's kingdom to a broken, hurting world. And the authorities didn't want that. But they said, no, we're going to obey God in that place. So there's a tension. It's important we stay in the tension, otherwise we become extremists. And extremes sort of have a a toxicity about them as well. There's two people that were extreme. And we're going to explore because Matthew is one of the disciples of Jesus. He was also a tax collector for Rome, which meant he collected Roman He collected for the Roman Empire. He was supporting and he was right behind the authorities of that time. He was um, disregarded and and likely hated by the Jewish people as uh, being a sort of a minion of the Roman Empire. And contrasting that, another one of Jesus' disciples was Simon the Zealot. And Simon... Simon, a zealot in that time is like a, not a terrorist, terrorist is kind of a strong word, but a, a zealot is someone who is militarily opposed to the Roman Empire. And so we have this beautiful picture. We've got Matthew, the tax collector, who is serving Rome, and then you've got Simon, who's opposing Roman rule in Israel. Jesus pulls them together and says, I want you to come and follow me. I want you to leave your agenda behind and follow me. I want you to be fishers of men. I'm going to change your reality. 
And maybe, just maybe, that's, that's what God is saying to you today, to, to encourage you to leave the, the agendas and, the, and some of the passions that you're taking hold in your life, the things that really burden you at night. And, and Jesus is saying, leave them behind. Come, follow me. I want you to change your reality. Submit to me first. First and foremost, before anything else. And there's a beautiful freedom when we let go when we let go of the things that were, were driving us. And we see Matthew and Simon coming together, following Jesus and building and being a part of building the kingdom of God. And that's our calling as a church, to build and be a part of and allow God to use us to build his kingdom. What an amazing calling that is. So Mordecai, Mordecai is not the hero, but he's not the villain. He's simply a human being human. He's doing human things. And uh, there's, the reality is, is that Mordecai wasn't going back to Israel. He wasn't going back to where Israel was reestablishing the temple. He wasn't going back to the place of worship. He was missing out on what God was redoing back in Israel. He, he didn't have a voice. He's often painted as the hero, but the hero in the story is God, who in spite of Mordecai and Haman and Esther and Xerxes and all the people in the story, in spite of everyone and the broken attitudes and the horrific things that they did, God reigned supreme. God was at work. And in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, God was there and he was ever present and he was working his will and plan in spite of the people involved. And I think there's a beautiful thing for us to realize in the storm of our lives, the storm that we might be going through, maybe we can't see what God is doing, but God is ever present. He is active. He simply wants us to submit to him and have this attitude of submission to him as our Lord and King. I'm going to ask the team to come up as, as I close. But I just want to challenge us as a church to, to take hold of that attitude, that make that your default. Maybe you're a, a warrior person. Maybe your personality is you want to champion and fight everything and everyone. Maybe God is asking you to lay that aside and, and take on this attitude of reverence, this attitude of submission to Him. And by doing so, have this attitude of submission, of, of, of honor to the authorities and people that God has placed in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you reign supreme. Thank you that in Esther we see, see such a glimpse of human frailty, 